kingdom. He's made us like royalty, and, and he's made us into priests. And, and he hasn't just loved us in our state, but he's taken us from the, the state we were in and, and made us into something new. And that's beautiful and good. And, and, I, and I think it helps us in the here and now when things get difficult. Um, hopefully they'll never get as difficult as they were for those seven churches that this revelation was originally for, but our lives get difficult from time to time. And, and when they do, it's encouraging to know that no matter what happens here, even if the walls of our world begin to crumble down around us and everything kind of goes to pot, that our God never stops loving us. You know, um, in the church, there are, there are two terms that we, we like to use traditionally throughout the historic church as guideposts for a well-balanced faith. Um, one is orthodoxy and the other is orthopraxy. And um, they're two words made up of, of Greek words. The, uh, the one orthodoxy um, uh, basically can be broken down into two different parts. Or, well, both of them have the same root at the beginning, orthos. And, and orthodoxy has, has that, that second part, the doxy part. And in kind of a strict sense of translation, it, it means something like straight or right. And, and ortho, that's, that's, I'm sorry, that's orthos. Orthos means straight or right. And, and doxy means opinion. So orthodoxy means straight or right opinion. And, and traditionally in the church, that's, that's served us by, by meaning a right belief, these right beliefs that we are to have as Christians, as followers of Jesus. But there's this, this other word, this orthopraxy word, and it has the same, same, same root, straight or right, orthos, but the praxis means a doing or an action or a performance. So it has this connotation of right or straight or good action or doing or, or performance. It's kind of like a, a good practical action is orthopraxy or orthopraxis. And there, in the church, there's this constant tension between individuals and groups and congregations that give more attention to one of these, to orthodoxy, the belief, or to, to praxis, the action, than the other. We typically tend to, to wait towards one side or the other in, in our churches today. Some are more co- concerned with right belief. Others are focused, and focused primarily on teaching and learning. And, and others go to the opposite extreme and give the majority of their attention and action to, to service to one another, and to the world. But I think as we look at the scripture, what we find is that Jesus teaches us that there's, there needs to be a balance between the two in our lives as Christians. We can't just believe all the right things and do nothing. And we can't just do all the right things but have no belief to back that up. It's like we need both. We need to be kind of right in the middle. Actually, in, in, in Luke 4, the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he begins to teach across Judea in synagogues and, and, and in different places. And he says, I was sent for this purpose. This certainly wasn't his only purpose, teaching, but it was one of them. And then we find right there, like four verses before that, that another purpose of Jesus was healing. In verses 40 to 41 of chapter 4 in the, book of, in the Gospel of Luke, we find that He's healing many people, even casting out demons from people. In, this, in this series of these 
four or five verses, we see Jesus teaching on, on these topics and then modeling them. He teaches and he acts. Both orthodoxy and orthopraxy. Words without action are insufficient. An action absent of belief ultimately lacks spiritual fruit. Oftentimes we attempt to relegate our orthodoxy to our times together in the church and our orthopraxy to times out in the community. But I'm not so sure that that's exactly what God had in mind for us as a church. I think that sometimes our orthopraxy happens here, inside, as a congregation, among one another, and our, our orthodoxy can also happen out in the world. There's like this, this movement between the two. They happen in both places, kind of at the same time. This week, as we enter into the Christmas season, I think it's hard to deny that Christmas is here, right? <laughs> well, it's definitely here. I mean, right? We've got trees. Some of you have them in your homes. Like I was talking to Patty yesterday, and she said last year they had like a 20-foot tree, which is awesome. But when you come into a room with a 20-foot tree, it's hard to deny that Christmas is here, right? We, and I thought my tree was big. We got like a nine-foot tree, and that was awesome. But we, because we, we love Christmas. We love to celebrate. We, we, we go to parties. There's Christmas music playing in all of the, the shops that we go to. Like Christmas, Christmas is here. Hershey Candy Lane. Santa has his reindeer resting, waiting for Christmas Eve at Hershey Candy Lane already. Christmas is, is here. We're going to begin singing Christmas songs this morning as a congregation because Christmas is, is here. One of our, our goals this, this Christmas as a church is to keep one another focused on good orthodoxy. To make sure that we know it, it, through, through our teaching that, that we believe Christmas is not about the trees and it's not about the reindeer. You know, it's not about the decorations or the music at the stores. Christmas is about Jesus. That's one of our goals. And we're going to try to keep Christ at the center of everything we do. That's, that's part of why we, we, we highlight missions during this time. You know? Because that, that is, is core to who we are, even during this Christmas season, is, is taking the gift of Christ to the world. But we also want to, to balance that with some of our orthopraxy, some of our our action, and that's that's tied to what Nancy was saying earlier with doing some of these things with giving. That's a, a practice, um, but it's, it goes it goes well beyond that as well. You know, it's been two thousand years since the first Christmas, and sometimes I think time has a way of distracting us from the truth and hope of Christmas. And when this happens, our faith grows dim and our resolve as Christian weakens. Paul knew this was the case for the Thessalonian church. So he writes to them and encourages them with these words in Thessalonians chapter 5. He says, Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. But you are not in the darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. You are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So let us, then let us not sleep 
as others do, but let us keep awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having to put on the breastplate of faith and love, and and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. And then he closes this section by saying, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Today, we're going to kick off our Christmas season with a bit of orthopraxy during our worship. We're going we're to do something. And, 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 and our expression of that this, this morning is coming out of that last verse to encourage one another and build one another up just as you were doing. During the time of the early church, there was persecution. It was hard. It was not easy to be a believer many times, just like we were talking about for those seven churches in the book of Revelation. And they, they needed to be encouraged because, and they needed to remind each other of the hope that they have in Jesus because if they didn't, the world would tamp it out. They would forget. They would lose their resolve and they would give in and give up. And so this morning, we're going to take Paul's instruction to encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. And we're going to do that by hearing from one another today about things that God has done in our lives. We're going to take some time this morning to start our Christmas season by celebrating some of the the gifts that God has given us as a people. And so we've invited several members of our congregation today to come forward throughout the course of the service and share something that God's been doing in them or something that God has been doing through them in their lives. And and our, our hope as we do this is that it will draw our attention, not to those people, but it will draw our attention to Christ. And it will help us, as other members of of Living Legacy Church, to walk out this Christmas season on point, remembering, celebrating, and reminding one another of what Christmas is really about, about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So as we begin this morning, let's do two things. I'm going to pray for us right now to help us focus our hearts on why we're here and what we're doing. And then we're going to enter a short time of worship and we're going to sing a few Christmas songs um, that are focused not on Santa and not on reindeer and not on Christmas trees, but are focused on our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So will you please join me as we go to the Lord in prayer this morning? Father, we thank you today for loving us. We so don't deserve that. We didn't deserve it before We had any comprehension of who you are or what you did for us on the cross. And we certainly don't deserve it even afterward. Our worth, our value, we know comes from you. From what you have done for us, Jesus. What you have accomplished for us, Jesus. And we thank you for that. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for providing for us. We thank you for giving us gifts that we certainly don't deserve. Father, as as we come together this morning, we would just humbly ask that you would unite us as your people. That, Father, we would be so tightly knit together. And and by you, by your Holy Spirit, and and that your your grip on us, Jesus, would would be so fast that not even the evil one could pull any of us away. That you would would harden, Father, our focus this morning. 
that you would keep our eyes fixed on, on you, Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, and that we could consider the, the joy that you had going to the cross as we walk out this season and, and, and live it and celebrate it in light of that truth. We pray that the gospel would be central to everything that happens this morning whether it be our singing or, or our giving or, or the testimonies that are shared. And Father, that you would be highlighted, that we would not be, that, that we would be forgotten after this service, and that, that, but that we would leave this place remembering how good and great you are. So Father, this time is yours. Jesus, we, this time is yours. We are, are yours. And we would just humbly ask that you would bless it for your glory and for our good. We love you and pray all these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. As a Christian, God is working in our lives every day. About 15, maybe 20 years already. Yeah, I'm an older guy. I read a book by John Eldridge called Wild at Heart. And I said, you know what? That's me. I like that. There's three things, and it's probably, I think my life was kind of going that way already. But there's like three philosophies that he points out. There's a battle to fight between right and wrong. Guys, we're warriors for Jesus Christ. I don't care what this world might tell you, you know, You've got to sit down and be quiet. Uh, you know, don't stir the pot or anything like that. When you get to know me a little more, you will find out I will stir the pot on purpose. Just to see reactions. I don't want to, you know, not confrontation type thing, but just to see, are you thinking something? Is God working? And what's God telling you? Tell me. I'd be glad to listen to you. If you want to find me on Facebook, don't look very hard. I'm not there. I refuse. I will not do it. If you want to know about me, come to me. Uh, when you ask, like, like John said, you know, you can share. I have an opinion about everything, and I will gladly share it with you. Okay? A battle to fight, guys. There's also an adventure to live. Okay? When you get up in the morning, do you say, good Lord morning, or good morning, Lord? There are two extremes there. I've kind of gone, morning, Lord, what do you got for me today? Oh, I really didn't want that. I, I did not want an officer knocking on my door at 3.30 in the morning saying, you got a calf running down the road, and by the tag, it's yours. <laughs> you wake up and, okay, all right, God... You can ask God, well, what did you want to teach me? That you didn't need any more sleep than that? I don't know, 3.30 in the morning, kind of, kind of early. The other one is, guys, there's a beauty to rescue, okay? That's your wife. That's important. You want to treat her like she is, not like, okay, this is a drudgery thing. Why did I get married again? And ladies, you know, he's your warrior, all right? Give him a little encouragement. Yeah, go ahead, do that. You know, 
the other thing in my life is failure is not bad. It just teaches me, I think I did something wrong, God. Uh, help me out here. So we don't always have to be a success. So what's God doing in my life? Okay, I took a long way to get around there. This year, I found out I had prostate cancer. Yay! I'm not sure. You know, Terry's watching a TV show this week, and I happened to walk through, and the guy was talking to another doctor, and he goes, yeah, I got cancer. And the guy says to him, cancer changes everything. Cancer changes nothing. Ha! Huh. I knew that. So what do you do? Do you get anxious and you say, oh, what do I do now? Um, shared a little bit with Mickey, and I said, you know what? I, I think I'm not taking this thing serious. Should I be? And went through the process, decided to get some radiation. Okay, the first radiation treatment, there's music playing. It's Queen singing, another one bites the dust. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, is this me or is it the cancer? And so I said to the nurse, do you always play that? She goes, play what? I said, another one bites the dust. She goes, ah, that's just Pandora. Whoever's on, you know, in charge, they get to play whatever they want. Right, okay, I'm going with the, that cancer bites the dust. All right. So when, when you get through all those treatments, there's a bell at the end. You get to ring this bell. And everybody in that waiting room knows exactly what that is. And it's great. I got a, a, a great time with people going through the whole procedure again. And you meet other Christians, and you can encourage each other through the whole process. And you find people that are really down and out about it. And so the process goes through. I don't know yet. Another month I'm going to get a blood test. We think we got everything taken care of. That would be great. But that's not what I'm keying in on. God, you help me through this process. Maybe you don't. I mean, when God answers prayer, he says yes, no, or maybe. Or his biggest one is wait. And that one we hate. What do you mean, how long, God? You know, as a day, is it a week? You're going to send me a message in the mail? When am I going to know, God? I think maybe as I've gotten older, too, Waiting gets easier. Because you're just kind of this adventure again that, that we're living. Another thing that God's moving in my life was we got the announcement that we're going to be grandparents again. Yes! That's another good one. Okay, I got this little grandson. I've got two granddaughters already, which they're the love of my life. This little boy who's not even born yet. It's neat when you get to know the sex of the baby already. Then he's even got a name. His nickname is Chaz. Cool. And last week, my daughter had sent me this picture of what she wanted to paint in his bedroom. She said, you know what? If we're going to be down there for Thanksgiving, I'll help you do that. So it's like this mountainous scene, and the crib gets pushed up against there. And I got to help my daughter paint that. Okay? Take the little moments... Or if you hate painting, it's not my favorite thing, but take the little moments and say, God, you know what? I like that. I'm encouraged by that. Show me what else you got. And in this process, hopefully I'm an encouragement to you to say, God's in charge. You know, it's, Bill, thanks. It's not about me. 
It's about what he's doing, and I'm just this tool that he can use in this process. So be an encouragement. Somebody asks you what God's doing in your life, don't shy away from it. Say, here, you got a half hour? Thanks a lot. If you don't know me, I'm Maddie. Um, and so earlier this week, John asked me if I would like to sort of share what's God doing in my life. And um, it sort of brought up a whole bunch of emotions and memories throughout the week. Um, but with that said, um, I grew up in like a Christian family. So at the age of eight, it was easy to accept God into my life. Um, but at the same time, with that said, like I had like a really good life going for me. Like I just, everything was great. I had friends and family there to support me, but that also led me to like sort of push God to the side because I didn't feel like I really needed him that much. Um, Cause I didn't see how he could benefit me um, at the time. So um, one night, like I sat in the leather chair with my dad and um, I said, what's it mean to be a Christian? And like, how can I be one? So. I went there and like I prayed to God and I said, I believe that you have died on the cross to save me from my sins and I believe that um, you are my savior and that you will save me from my sins. <laughs> so that night I became a Christian and um, it was sort of not until about two years ago that I really was tested in my faith and trust in God. Um, when one night my dad um, sat me and my siblings down to tell us that he wanted to split with my mom because he was seeing somebody else. Um, so I was sort of at a disbelief, we all were, but the only thing I felt capable of doing was praying, and so that's what I did. Um, so I prayed and I read my Bible, and then I remembered this one verse that I memorized Years before, I don't really know why, <laughs> I used to flip around in my Bible and I would turn to a certain page, poke at a verse, and I would memorize it. And I was like, okay, that's the one I'm going to memorize now. And it was Psalms 34, 18. Um, God is close to the brokenhearted and saves those crushed in spirit. And I never knew why that vo like that verse would ever impact me. I didn't think it, I would ever have to use that verse, but I knew in that moment that I poked at that verse for a single reason, and that was to support me. Um, that night. So, um, going on, um, I continued to read my Bible and I continued to pray. And that's where I found my comfort um, for weeks to come and until this day. Um, I realized the love that God had for me and still does, and how um, He can truly impact life in just simple ways. Um, Whenever anything like little is happening, like I'm having a test at school, I just pray for comfort and for confidence. And when I get into that room and I'm taking my test, I'm just focused and I feel like I've got this one. Um, so it's just little things that God's done for me and that I continue to go on and know that he's there for me. Um, I've gotten to know really good friends and... Um, through church and school, and I've been able to reach out to others and share little parts of my story that I can see them um, learning from and also having a positive impact on their life. So um, it's sort of a little snippet of what God has done for me, and um, 
in my life, and yeah, I hope it sort of helps you guys too. <laughs> know quite a few guys and it's good to see familiar faces. Uh, when John asked me to share uh, my testimony, I was like, I don't really have one of those prepared. Uh, <laughs> I don't know that I'm, you know, refined enough. I don't know that, you know, God has done enough yet in my life to really have something to say. But um, I definitely feel like, you know, I'm a work in progress and God has a long way to go. Pretty, pretty lumpy around the edges and need a lot more of the master's, you know, touch kind of thing. But um, one thing that did come to mind is, uh, I don't know if a lot of you guys know, but I'm a house father at Milton Hershey School, and I see a lot of some, some Milton Hershey students out here. So hello, guys. And um, <clears throat> a few of them I've had a chance to spend time with. And something I think that God is doing in my life is calling me to progress as a house father and to touch those students in need. My upbringing was anything but... <clears throat> A good reflection of what a house father should be. My dad was basically tyrannical, a very uh, an epitome of kind of an evil individual in a way. I mean, I can look back and say that. I mean, when he left our life when I was 12, we were all celebrating. It was like we can breathe. You know, it's over. You know, and so that was really painful. Um, but I'm thankful my mom took us to church on a regular basis, and I got to meet some men of God who. Were upstanding individuals. They showed fruits of the spirit like love, joy, peace, gentleness, meekness, and I got to see through them a witness for my life. So as I moved out and the world kind of opened up to me, you know, there was a lot of other things I wanted other than you know God. But I had this witness in my mind of these men who worked to help others, that worked to um, live a life of community that worked to build up other people. And that was always a constant pull in my mind. And so um, in any event, um, it also kind of reminded me, you know, when I became a house parent, you know, it's kind of like a frivolous thing. I was like, wow, that's kind of a crazy thing. But hey, let's give it a go. And I think, you know, it's God calling us to be um, witnesses to these students. I mean, we have a lot of students that their father figures are somewhat similar to mine. You know, they're um, either absent completely or they're scary individuals who are on drugs and it's not a good time when they go home. You know, it's a scary situation. Um, and that's not everyone's case. You know, some have fathers that they love and they miss and they're excited to see and that's awesome also. But um, just calling, you know, all you guys as far as for where you're at, I, I think of music camp um, and that was a great experience. It wasn't something that I kind of something that I didn't jump up and, you know, volunteer for, but I kind of ended up participating in somehow. <laughs> um, and, you know, but it was a great experience because I had a chance to um, be involved with everyone in the community, and I think that that is something that you guys all have a chance to be a great witness, and you have a chance to kind of affect people maybe the way you don't think you're affecting them at the time, especially the little ones who maybe, you know, kind of come in here and they don't have that home life. They don't have, you know, that father figure, which I think is really an epidemic in our society today. The loss of the um, importance of fathers in kids' lives. And so, in any event, that's pretty much all I have to say. Thank you.
our lives and the McCorkle's lives um, uh, really has to do with all of you. Um, God has blessed us so richly with all of you in this room. This church, uh, this church family has, has just been tremendous in our lives um, since we joined here. I know some, some have left. Some, some of us, um, when Pastor Larry announced that he was moving on, those of us, um, some, our, our ranks have, uh, have decreased. Some people have come back, and we're so thankful and, and happy to have um, people that, that joined us um, back again. And we love everyone, everyone who's left, everybody who's come back. We just love, we just love all of you. Um, being part of the pastoral search committee has been an incredible blessing in, in, um, to, to Wayne and myself, getting to know some of you uh, so deeply and intimately and, and having the discussions and being able to share our hearts with no uh, hesitation and, and just being completely loved. I mean, the, the love of God in this room is, and, and when we have those meetings is just something that I've never experienced in my life and have been looking for all my life, and here I found it. And I just thank you. Just I, We thank you all so much for all your, your, your love and support and comfort and, and fellowship, watching the children, the children, the, the, the youth um, coming back from the skating party and, and what John, like John said, this is how we should all be, and this is how our, our church family fellowships together and, and loves on one another, and, and that, is what, that is what we are meant to be. Um, we've had we, we've all been pushed a little bit harder since Pastor Larry left, and, and on our ranks have dwindled. We've all found talents. Maybe some haven't found those talents, but have um, exhibited those and helped our church family with those talents. Um, Cindy and Megan, that those face paintings. I mean, I mean, just just things like that 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 people have been willing to share. And um, Karen, playing your playing the piano, thank you so much. And I know I, I can't go through. I could probably thank each and every one of you for something. I know I, there, there's something that you have done to to um, impact the lives of the McCorkles in the last year, in the last number of years. I can name each and every one of you in some way or another that God has has um, allowed us to see the. God's love through you in 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 some way and and um, there's just there God is just so good is he not God is so so good um, we we are reaching the world we know one of us will be um, in in not too uh, long a time we'll be uh, reaching the world for Christ and and we will be supporting her in every way that we can and uh, just to think that I can have play a small role in in maybe reaching um, someone in the Muslim world just it just excites me incredibly and it, just a small number of us there are not that many of us but we can impact the world and we are impacting the world and that is just amazing amazing to me um, and lastly I just want to I just want to thank you all for the support that you've been giving my sister um, She's going through a very, very bad time, and I know a lot of you know about what she's going through, and this is not her church, um, but you are her family, and I, I can't thank you enough for everything that you've done 
to support her and help her out. Um, you reach out to her. You always ask, and she's not here today, but you are reaching out to her. And um, she is, she's my sister and my dear friend, and I, I thank you all so much for helping her through that. So, so my testimony is all of you. Um, Jesus is just working in, in this congregation. We have much to do. A lot of us questioned when Pastor Larry um, left what is going to happen? And um, Jesus could not just be could not be more active, and, and the love of God could not be more active in this church. We we do have much to do, and um, and God is going to continue to shine. We are going to continue to glorify God in every way that we can. And so I just I thank you all. Thank you. Um, so I'm not sure, maybe John saved me for last. I'm not quite sure what this means here, but, uh, so how is God at work in our lives? I mean, I started thinking about it this week and at first my initial reaction was, I have no idea and not Jeff that things aren't happening, but I think I was looking for that big aha moment because as many of you know, the past year, four years of my life have just been like, wow, like God has been there so clearly in so many ways. Um, for those of you who don't know, I met Alan about two years ago. That's why I'm here. So um, a lot of you, too, have been here about a year now. Um, but met Alan about two years ago, um, and we just recently got married about six months ago. So Jackson's waving to us, too. He's one of ours. Um, so just the ways that he has been working to bring us to there. Um, I'm a person who likes to know things. I do really well when I have a plan. And about four years ago, that plan just completely got wiped out. And God was basically like, you are at my mercy, and um, I am here for you, and I'm going to make this work. Maybe not the way you ever intended, but what has happened as a result of that has been incredibly beautiful. Um, And like I said, the moments, they just can go on and on. I see Jackie out there. I mean, I've known Jackie and Chad for years through other random relationships, but she was one of the first people I called when um, I met Alan. And just to have that affirmation of somebody who I know and trust um, bringing me in there, that that wasn't me. That was God at work, who actually Alan and I met at Gavin's birthday party many years ago. So, I mean, it's just so cool to see the way that God has been there um, and leading us up to now because, I mean, it's, it's hard what we're, we're doing, and I don't say that lightly, and I know there's many people and testimonies I've heard. Um, what I'm going through is not unusual, but it's things we don't talk about, and it's things that every day we're working on blending a family. I've never co-parented before. Oh my goodness, that is not as easy as um, you think, and just working through different relationships from the past and trust issues and different things, um, and it's hard because I think I want to know today what God is doing and how that is going to be used in the future. And so right now, I feel very called to just sit back and just to wait. Um, as Alan reminded me one night, he's like, if we're going to be the hands and feet of Jesus, we need to let him do that with us. We can't control that. We can't lead that. And I think so much, um, I want to do that. So I think we're very much in a waiting period. Um, but what's really cool to see, uh, maybe these big things, I guess they are big things, happened like six months ago. Um, but like today, I don't feel like there's any like major aha moment of what God is doing, but he is calling us to wait, to trust. And in that process, the beauty that I'm seeing, um, the ways that Jackson shared with me yesterday that his favorite part of Christmas is Jesus' birth. Like, how cool is that? Or um, Peyton reciting to me, she's a little one not in here, um, what the fruits of the spirits are and reminding me to be patient. Like, okay, I got it, girl. Like, so, um, I mean, just the way these kids are excelling in school, they're, they're blending their lives, they're moving things. Like, things are happening every single day. And I think I'm the first person to look for that big and to see what's going on. But when I step back and I see the beauty of what God is truly doing uh, in our lives, it's incredible. So um, 
just an encouragement. I tend to talk fast and get to the point, so I don't think I hit the five minutes. But uh, like, I just a reminder that you know He is absolutely at work in each of our lives in so many ways, um, and it's really cool the beauty and the grace that He gives us to that, and the way He gives us the answers. Um, someone mentioned like prayer, and sometimes that waiting game is really hard. Um, and we are living that. We have lived it, Alan and I, and we continue to. But when we do that, just the ways that um, when you can look back at that and see what he's done is really cool. So I hope all of you guys can join us in that weeding game sometimes. <laughs>